Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Spider Insight Podcast. We have reached the final week of the regular season, and the spiders are very much in the conversation. Along with Christian Gravis, I'm Bob Black. We're going to be talking an awful lot about it. It's William and Mary week. It's the Capital Cup, a league championship on the line, playoff implications, and the Spiders are riding high with a five-game win streak and tied for first in the CAA. This is what you work so hard for, Christian. Those guys through that hot month of August and then through those games in September and October to be in this position in November. That's right. You know, all of August down here for camp, it's super hot out. The guys are going so hard to every ball, every snap. And the entire time they're thinking about the last game of the season. They're thinking about William and Mary. And I hate using cliches, but it all comes down to this. Well, cliches happen when they mean something. And in this case, that's the definition of this week. And outside of the the football family, the circle of the spider football team probably not a whole lot of people who thought we'd be in this situation this week after the way the season started absolutely after the morgan state loss to start the season i think obviously the team never gave up on themselves and that's evident in the fact that we are where we are right now headed into the last week of the season um but yeah you said outside of the the you know the tight-knit group that will always believe in us no matter what uh there was probably a lot of people and naysayers that thought you know what who is this team and you know, we haven't been ranked since that first week, and so I think there's a lot of people at the national level who are saying, you know, not really giving Richmond the respect that they deserve. But, you know, more fuel to the fire, and I think the guys are going to take that, amongst other things, into this weekend. We'll be talking with one of those guys who's fired up, I can tell you that, and that is senior linebacker All-American Tristan Wheeler is going to be our special guest on this week's edition of the podcast, so stick around for that. It's coming up here in just a few minutes. And look, the Spiders are playing their best football of the season when they should be right now. Uh, Perfect example, the win over Elon Saturday, 38-24. That's a playoff uh, elimination game for Elon and for Richmond, and the Spiders stepped up. So many big plays in that game. You know, some weeks you just grind out victories, but I thought there were just so many highlight big plays. The two long runs by Kyle Wickersham, of course, the unbelievable one-handed catch by Javion Griffin, uh, Aaron Trussler's fake punt for the first down, the punt that pinned them back at the four. Just a lot of big plays keyed the Spider victory. Bobby, you've been doing this a lot longer than I have. Have you ever seen three successful fake punts in a season hmm. uh, to pick up first downs the way that we've been able to do it? It's It's been fantastic to see. Um, and I, I talk to him quite a bit, actually, and I always joke with Aaron, you know, when, when are you going to go? When are you going to start running? And what we saw on Saturday was Australian rules football at its finest. He took the ball and he, he just went with it. And, you know, he, he had to make a move to try to get around a defender, and he, he followed his blockers perfectly. Trussler, he's going to fake it and run. Can he get to the first down marker? He can. He's got the first down, and out of bounds goes Aaron Trussler, and then he got hit late after the play, and a penalty flag comes flying. Dawsey was an athlete on that one because it was a read. If, if he couldn't, uh, wasn't anywhere to go, he, he, he could have still punted that. So he's looking to punt right now, maybe, 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 maybe. How about that cut right there? Reads the blocks. Gets outside, he's rolling. Oh, his parents are here on senior day all the way from Australia. He gave them a special memory with that one, didn't he? He looked ready. You can see it in his eyes. I was watching that, and in my mind I'm thinking, you know, he's in a tank top and shorts, and he's playing, you know, AFL. (laughs) Uh, And and he's always talking about stuff like that, too. So it's cool to see kind of that other translation of the sport coming over into the American game. But, you know, love Aaron uh, and love 
being able to see him do that, and especially with his parents here from so far away. That really made it cool, and I'll give you a little bit of inside radio, inside football, and you know this. So on Friday, I get an opportunity to sit down with Coach Usman in his office before the game, and Matt Smith was there with me as well because he did the play-by-play on radio, and I asked him about Elon's four fake punts that they've run this season, and Russ smiled and said, well, we'll be ready for that, but we've got a fake punt up our sleeve. We're going to let the Aussie go this week. I don't know when it's going to be, and he's going to have the read where he can do it or not do it and see how it unfolds. I'm not sure it was really called on that punt, but Aaron read it, saw it, and picked up the first down. Just incredible stuff, and obviously that continues our drive that gives us the mm-hmm. go-ahead touchdown. So that was that was huge, and then uh, the punt that he stuck inside the 20 on the four-yard line, you know, the crowd erupts for that one, and y- you love to see a crowd that's so into the punter and what they're doing. Um, it It's just it's awesome stuff to see out of our special teams um, pretty much all of this season. The other guy you really feel good for, I think, uh, other than the seniors who had great games to help them on senior day and get a win on senior day, was Kyle Wickersham. I mean, with the year he's been through, anointed as the starter at the beginning, the injury sets him back by a few weeks. Then he comes back and shares and competes the position with Cam Coleman and was at his best Saturday, 20 of 27, 169 yards, two touchdowns, and then the running game, 13 carries, career-high 130 yards, and those two spectacular big chunk runs. Mm -hmm. You know, it's good to see our running back, Kyle Wickersham, out there. Uh, You know, it's awesome just the whole – the way that Kyle's season has gone, um, you know, really biding his time behind some good quarterbacks, Joe Mancuso and Reese Udinski the last two years, and like you said – being tabbed as a starter and just everything that he's been through the highs and lows. And I think that's why we love the game so much. And it's awesome to see Kyle come out of it, you know, on a, on the positive end. Um, yeah, those big plays are just, those are game changing plays. I mean, you fight for every yard on the field. So when you're picking up, you know, 54 yard runs, it's, it changes everything. Third and seven from the 30. Wickersham quarterback draw comes straight ahead and dives. Oh, he got free. He wasn't down. And away he goes with a stiff arm and dragged down inside the 20-yard line. How did he escape that pile? Kyle Wickersham over 100 yards rushing. All right, so the win puts the Spiders in a four-way tie for first. On the other side of our conversation with Tristan Wheeler, we'll get into the tiebreakers and all that's still at stake come Saturday. There can be as much as a three-way tie for first in the CAA of utmost importance, though. you got to win the game, and we'll talk about that and beating William and Mary in the Capital Cup and all of that. As we do that, Trist, uh, we'll get in with Tristan Wheeler in just a moment, but I do want to talk defense for a moment because most of the plays that I said were big plays were offense. Uh, the defense didn't have any takeaways this week, but they had eight tackles for loss, four quarterback sacks. Just thought they were really disruptive against an Elon offense that was coming off of maybe its best game of the year in the win over Delaware. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Tristan will talk about this when we speak with him here in a minute, but the uh, turnover on downs that our spider defense was able to – he's going to say, you know, they're going to count those as takeaways for them. Mm -hmm. It might not be on the stats, but they are in the, uh, you know, the defensive room. 
Um, but yeah, it's you know to to have a team like Elon who's coming off a huge win like that. I think we were lucky that we were coming off a bye week. We were ahead of our practice schedule. Uh, you know the guys were well rested, ready to go. So it was really a perfect storm that led to that. But you know our defense has been on so much. It's been so good this season. And obviously you know we didn't get the takeaways, no defensive touchdowns, which is now coming as a shock to us. <laughs> um, but they still took care of the ball and handled business. All right. Let's find out what Tristan thinks about all of that. Uh, another double-digit tackle performance for him on Saturday with 11 of them. He had one of them a tackle for loss. He had the blindside hit on Matthew Downing, the Elon quarterback. He was all over the field, as we have come to expect from you, Tristan Wheeler. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast uh, today. Take us from start to finish. What was the emotional day like for you from pregame to getting the victory at the end of the day? Uh, it's probably – the best I I could have imagined it um, from start to finish. Really, uh, I mean, it started with Marlon gave a a heck of a pregame speech to the team, um, and I think that, that amped everyone up uh, from the start two hours before the game. Um, and I think everyone was just super comfortable, confident in the game plan, conf- confident in our ability uh, that we'd go out there and handle it. And then, I mean, we started with the senior walk then. Um, which was super cool, and like I was telling you before the show, my parents were getting a little sappy before. Uh, I made sure to to get them in check real quick and reminded them that I had a whole game that I still had to go out and play. Um, so I tried not to let that mess with my pregame routine and you know my thoughts going into the game. Um, and then obviously we went on the field and handled business. Um, but big game. I'm glad it went the way it did, and I'm looking forward to to get the show on the road next week. From an X's and O's standpoint, the defense eight tackles for loss, four quarterback sacks. These are numbers we're familiar with this year. It's a pretty good offense, though. What was it that was so effective for you guys defensively that that had you in the backfield seemingly all day long? I mean, uh, having the bye week definitely helped a lot. We were able to start game planning a little earlier, um, get recovery. Um, So I think we all felt healthy. We all felt rejuvenated Um, because, I mean, nine weeks without – any break is is definitely puts a toll on your body uh, mentally and physically. So having that was was big for us, um, and the people were just hungry. That we knew what was at stake for the game, um, and I think people were just getting after it. It seems like every game you've played, Tristan, you've been reaching for some milestone or breaking some record or you know something of that nature. Uh, and there was one again on Saturday. You needed 11 tackles to hit 100 for the season, and you you got 11. And that puts you now at 100 tackles in four consecutive full seasons of football. Are you just a magnet? Do guys just, like, look for you and run straight toward you with the ball? Or, you know, what go, what goes into just putting up the numbers that you have over the last five years? Well, I actually think they try to run away from me. Well, I like to think they, like, try to <laughs> run away from me. Um, but uh, it's just a lot of film study, like playing with instincts. Um, I'm be honest. I know Coach Wood, and I hope he's not li- going to listen to this, but – Half the time, I don't, I don't even know what the D-line's stunting in front of me. I'm literally just playing off of them and playing with instincts. That's why I tell the big guys up front all the time, like, you know, if you can make a play or you want to do this and that, I'm going to make you right because most of the time I'm playing instinctually and I'm not even thinking what you're going to do or, you know, what's my fit if you're stunting this way. So a lot of the time I'm just playing with instinct and reading the, the ball carrier and uh, always flying around to the ball because that's what Coach Wood emphasizes, uh, swarming to the ball. And Hampton this time is grabbed in the backfield by Tristan Wheeler. And down he goes. Wheeler.
Miller, the defensive player of the week in the CAA two weeks ago from the Campbell game when he had a dozen tackles, knifing through on that one. Answering the call, knowing when to make a big play. There, one of your big-time players makes a big play. Tristan Wheeler comes back and says, this is my turn. Shoots into the backfield, makes that tackle. The captain with his ninth tackle for loss on the season and nine tackles today. As for, like, reaching milestones, it, it is funny that you say that because, like, I don't, I don't, uh, like, look for these things before the game. It kind of just happens. And then when I have, like, a decent game where there's, like, you know, there's no milestone that I got to, I'm kind of, like, disappointed in myself. I'm like, <laughs> like, I could have done something better, I guess. Like, I'm almost not satisfied with, like, having a, like a solid just a good game because I know I can I expect more from myself like I set my standards uh pretty high but yeah I think film and just flying around to the ball is what gets me where I am really have you always had this mentality I mean you've been a great player since you stepped on campus here but has it always been this instinctual mentality or is that something that you kind of learned over time uh yeah I always think I was pretty instinctual I mean in high school literally I mean, when I got here, I couldn't tell you what a counter was. Like, I didn't know a counter was two polars or any of this stuff. Literally in high school, my coaches told me, like, see ball, get ball. I mean, there was very little, like, scheme that went into anything. It was more of if you see the ball going over there, you better run to it. So coming here, it was kind of natural to have instincts. And then once you started learning, like, scheme and what you're doing to stop this certain thing, then – you add the two together, and then you're able to make a lot of plays. But a lot of the time, just running around, <laughs> just trying to to be a ball player. The other gaudy numbers that you guys have is a defense, takeaways, 23, defensive touchdowns, 5. You didn't get either of those last week. Hopefully you get back to that this week against William & Mary. But that aside, what has made this defense so opportunistic in those categories? Well, before that, I mean, we didn't get any takeaways, but the two fourth down stops, I mean, we look at that as as a takeaway and getting a turnover right there because it is a turnover on downs. So, I mean, we might not have had an interception, fumble recovery, or anything like that. But, I mean, those two fourth down stops were, were key plays of that game. Fourth and three from the Spider 40. Downing passes for it, and it's knocked down and incomplete. Aaron Banks, the sixth-year senior on senior day, swats it away. Always knows what to do, always understands just the game, the moment where he needs to be, plays this perfectly. Boom, right in there. Boy, there were blue shirts everywhere, too, weren't there? We'll call it two takeaways for ourselves, even though it might not go in the stats that way. But uh, I think Coach Wood, leading up to this game, did a, or leading up to this season uh, throughout the summer, uh, emphasized taking the ball away where we started with drills um, and all that stuff to really just get it in our mind uh, to be ball aware because uh, at the end of the day, like, we want the ball. Like, we should be scoring on defense too. We should be taking the ball away. Um, like, we can be offense while playing defense. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and then Coach Ellis is always saying uh, the ball's the program, which came from a an old football movie that he put me onto, made me watch. Um, but, yeah, so we kind of joke around during practice, like, yo, the ball's the program, the ball's the program. Um, even if it's, like, an incomplete pass, we'll go run up and scoop the ball, even though it's not live, just to drill it into our heads, like, go get the ball, attack the ball, be ball aware. So, I mean, clearly it's playing a big part in our success this season. So it's not over. It's not – it's far from being over. But if you could just look back at your time here at Richmond and just talk about what what is the legacy that Tristan Wheeler leaves behind? Well – I hope people look at it because my, my main goal coming in wasn't like 
well, obviously I had the personal goals, like I want to do be all conference, all American, all these things. But when I talked to Dressler uh, when I first got here, the one thing that we we talked about, like every season, going to every season, finishing every season, is leaving a program better than the way you found it. And we both came into a program that wasn't, you know, very. I mean, obviously historically it was successful, but at that time that we came in, um, we weren't so hot. And I knew that coming in, and and I came to a Villanova game and we got waxed, I think. And uh, Coach Wood came up to me like almost embarrassed and was like, "Dude, I'm sorry you had to see that." And you know, I loved it. I didn't care. Like I was still on a visit watching football, and I was like, "All right, I can come into a program now." And, and hopefully change some things. And I know, like, Ryan and Marlon all had that mindset. So even before thinking about, like, oh, what can I do personally um, for myself and the accolades or whatever, it was like, how can we turn this program around and achieve goals that, you know, everyone wants to see. And then I think just doing that, naturally everything else came along. And I said in the interview before the game, like, I had 12 tackles my first start here and then finished with, like, a little over 100. So setting that, like, standard – my first season here I kind of like every time I didn't like that was my goal like I had to hit that like regardless because that was the standard I set and if I didn't get that then I was letting myself and everyone else down so it was just setting the standard high uh, from the jump um, with the end goal of hoping to leave this place better than how we came into it. So when you got here five years ago what was your perspective or knowledge of the William and Mary rivalry and what is it today as we speak in William and Mary week for the last time? Yeah, it's funny how it changes because at first you, you come into it and you know it's like all this, all that from what people are saying, but you don't know for yourself. Like there's really no bad blood. You you come into a program and have like beef with a team just because that's how it's supposed to be. But over the years when you actually see it in real life and you see the chippiness and you see the dancing on the field and the you know flipping us off after a win or stealing the trophy off the sideline, then it's like, Oh, I get it now, and now it now it's like it becomes personal, and especially after last year, I remember, um, like obviously they won. I got surrounded by some players and coaches, and it started getting a little little chippy after. And Coach Huseman grabbed me. I literally remember right down there in the end zone. Coach Huseman grabbed me, um, and pulled me back, and said, "We'll remember this next year. Trust me." And like I haven't forgotten that since. And I literally said to him after the Elon game, we're walking out the halftime house. I was like, Coach, I forget what happened last year. I was like, I'm excited for this week. So it, it it's funny how it evolves over time and becomes personal instead of you just taking everyone else's word for, for the weight that the game holds. But I'm definitely excited for this one. I don't know about you, Christian, but I'm ready to, like, run through this broadcast <laughs> booth wall right now. Tristan's got me so fired up. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm pumped. I'm pumped to be able to go watch you guys down there, uh, you know, on Saturday. It's just there's so much writing on this game. Um, kind of what's the vibe of you know the linebacker room, but also the team as a whole headed into this last week of the regular season. Dude, so excited. I mean, I told before we got on on the air here, I was telling y'all how I started. We all started watching film a little bit earlier than we normally do, um, because we're just so fired up. We know what's at stake. Uh, not only playing for a championship, but just William and Mary in general and the history that it holds. And it's funny, too, because everyone always dreads going to Sunday night practices after a game, like 8, 8 p.m. practice. Everyone's tired, just wants to get to sleep, finish their homework up. But it's funny because you see guys, <laughs> we went down to the locker room after a team meeting. We started taking pre-workout, uh, sniffing smelling salts, like literally before a Sunday night. Like It's like a jog through tempo. Like We're not really doing much, but we're taking pre-workout because we're fired up and we're 
were yelling like different our different chants and stuff and like we easily could have just came out there and just walked through it but everyone's so fired up and excited for this game so we're coming out with a different intensity this week Go get back to your game prep. We'll be fired up and ready to go. Tristan, I say this to you a lot, particularly this year. It has been an absolute joy and pleasure to have you around for all these years, and we hope we've got more football, a lot more football to go before you take those pads and helmet off for the last time. Thanks. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thanks, Tristan. Uh, Bob, it's amazing to see a guy like Tristan Wheeler just do what he's done over the five years that he's been here. It's, it's absolutely incredible. It's a once-in-a-generation talent, and just the person that Tristan is, uh, is I mean, that's why he's as good of a football player as he is because of the, the way that he treats his coaches and his teammates and the support staff and the amount of time he spends watching film and in that linebacker room. He truly is a player coach. He truly is one of our all-time greats. Um, and, you know, like I just mentioned, you know, we don't want to talk about being over. It's far from over. Um, we got to get through this weekend, and then we'll go from there. But, Bob, tell us, what does going from there look like? <laughs> well, first of all, um, you said in the first segment you hate using those cliches. Well, I'll follow up with that as well because to me, you know, Tristan Wheeler just embodies everything that a University of Richmond student athlete should be. Uh, I think you could hear it in the conversations that we've had with him, and he, he does every interview that you ask him to do and the media asks him to do, and he's always available, and yet he's always studying film, and he's always getting prepared for, for the next game. So um, like I, like we said, I, w- I wasn't really kidding about you know running through the wall for him uh, after what he said, but I think it's got everybody fired up for Saturday. Look, I said this last week, uh, you can't have one without the other, right? You had to have Elon before you could get to William & Mary, but you got to beat William & Mary even after you beat Elon. So here we are looking to beat William & Mary, would give the Spiders a share of the conference championship. It would obviously give them the Capital Cup. And, Christian, it could leave the Spiders, what, in anything from a two-way tie for first to a three-way tie for first Every one of those teams will be anointed as conference champions, but only one is going to get the automatic bid, right? That's right. Wow. And it it goes a little bit even deeper (laughs) than that when you look into tiebreaker scenarios for who would receive that automatic bid. And I can't remember what conference it was. Maybe the OVC last year, they flipped a coin. (laughs) So I I don't think, uh, you know, in the release the CAA put out last night saying those tiebreaker scenarios, coins were not involved. Um, which is a good thing. Which is interesting, and I will tell you another inside broadcast story here. Way back in the day of CAA football, there was a year where we did have a coin flip, and I was doing television at the time for Channel 6. I was doing weekend sports, and Tom Yeager, the commissioner of the CAA back then, literally came into the studio, and we staged the coin flip at the end of the sportscast to determine who the automatic bid went to. I forget who the two teams were. I think Richmond was one of them. I don't remember if it was, you know, it couldn't have been William and Mary because they would have played each other. So whoever it was, and they flipped the coin, both teams went to the playoffs, but one of them was anointed as the automatic bid. So you're not too far off mm-hmm. on that coin flip thing. But you're right on the long list of tie-breaking procedures that Rob Washburn from the CAA football office sent all of us last night. That's not one of the tie-breaking procedures. Thank goodness that they're settling it on the field with statistics, with one loss record. So the only way that Richmond can receive the automatic bid is if the Spiders and Delaware finish in a two-way tie for first and the reason for that is you would go down to the highest ranked common opponent and that would be Elon Uh, Delaware lost to Elon and the Spiders beat Elon any of the three-way ties it doesn't look like the Spiders can get the automatic bid 
And that's what I love so much about college football, maybe more than any other sport, is the fact that every single game matters. Every single win matters. It's not, you know, a college baseball season where there's 52 games and maybe you can drop one or two here or there. You don't want to, but you probably have a little wiggle room to do so. You know, every single one of our 11 scheduled regular season games makes a difference and matters. And like you just said, you know, the difference in either us or Delaware getting the automatic qualification, if it comes down to that, is that Elon game. So you got to look at that Elon game. But now we're also looking back still at Morgan State and Hampton. Um, so really, the committee is going to have some decisions to make mm-hmm. come, you know, Saturday night, Sunday morning to see who is going to make it into this tournament. But, you know, all things go well. Richmond's right there. So it probably begs the question, and people listening might be asking, well, why wouldn't Richmond win any of those other tiebreakers if it's with Albany and Villanova or Delaware and Albany? Any of the three-way ties would eventually come down to the conference tiebreaker that is point differential in conference games with a 21-point maximum per game differential. So that eliminates running up the score just to be better off at the end of the year. Win by 21, it doesn't matter if you win by 51, you're only going to get credit for winning by 21. And those numbers coming into Saturday, uh, Villanova is plus 96, Albany is plus 92, and Richmond is plus 58. So we're not going to make up that difference, and that's why the Spiders wouldn't get the automatic bid if they wind up in a three-way tie. So bottom line, just focus on beating William and Mary and let the chips fall where they may. There's another cliche for you. <laughs> the, the coaches say it every single week. The only game that matters is the next game. Uh, I just saw our running backs coach, uh, Justin Poindexter, and, and he said, oh, biggest game of the season coming up. And I said, because it's the next one, right? And he said, absolutely, because it's the next one. So. <laughs> you don't think anybody really believes that at this point, right? It, it's Well, you heard Tristan Wheeler. He remembers what's happened in this rivalry, and that's – you mentioned loving college football. That That is what there is to love about college football is when you embrace a rivalry, particularly one that's been going on as long as it has. And, you know, we'll dig up some notes by Saturday, but – Almost every year, one or both of these teams is playing for something other than just the pride and the and the Capital Cup. And and that that's a credit to both programs who have been good for a long, long time. Absolutely. And William and Mary, you know, just given the way that their season has gone, mm-hmm. they're they're playing for something very important. That is the Capital Cup and that is to beat Richmond. And while that may only be what they're playing for, that means a heck of a lot to them. You just heard what Tristan said. Um, on the opposite side of that. So you, you, you can't go for a second to think that William Mary is going to sit back and let this one get past them. That absolutely will not happen. All right. If, when the Spiders win Saturday, what's the next step for everybody as far as finding out postseason possibilities? Sure. So there'll be a selection show at 1230 on ESPNU on Sunday that fans are going to be able to watch um, from home. But then we're also – Working on the details now, but we'll have an in-person selection show party as well uh, that fans can come out to, probably being the Jepson Alumni Center here on campus as it was last year. Mm-hmm. All right, looking forward to all of that. First things first, and that's get the victory on Saturday. And even ahead of that, if you're listening to this before Thursday, we would certainly invite and urge you to come out to the last regular season behind the web with Coach Huseman at the Brass Tap at Libby Mill Midtown. And our guest this week is going to be redshirt sophomore quarterback Kyle Wickersham, why not off of the performance he had last week, right? Absolutely. I always like to pick these guys based. I like everyone on the team, but I always say, you know what, I drive the player to the coach's show. I got to want to be in the car with them for that amount of time. It's quick, but I got to want to be in the car with them. Um, and they have to have some highlights and some things to talk about. So I have both of those things in Mr. Wickersham. So. Yeah. 
he he's got it covered, right? He's got it covered, and uh, I he didn't see it before, but we have seen uh, instances where he does, you know, starts running downhill down the field, and there's a defender in his way, and he just trucks him over and gets out of the way. So I have branded the wick stick. I want the wick stick to happen uh, on Saturday at William & Mary, so I'd love to see that. Remind me to bring that up on, on Thursday when Kyle's our special guest behind the web with Coach Usman. Come on out to the Brass Tap and join us for lunch and college and spider football talk, and we'll get you all fired up, for the, if you're not already, for the William & Mary game, which is 1 o'clock Saturday afternoon. We'll have it on the radio for you on 1061 ESPN beginning at 12. 30. As far as our next podcast, maybe there is, maybe there isn't. We'll depend on the schedule, what happens with the postseason, if we can work it in. So if we don't get to that point, Christian, this was a lot of fun. I hope our audience enjoyed all the conversations we had with the Spider players and appreciate you getting them here to be on the podcast with us. And it was really a lot of fun to do this each and every week. Uh, hopefully there's another one or two of these ahead. But if not, thanks for everything you did on the podcast this year. Appreciate it, Bob. And thanks for having me on. This was my podcast debut this season. Uh, I felt more comfortable as the weeks went on. I remember the first one, I had a bunch of notes in front of me, and now I'm sitting here with nothing but my phone uh, that I'm just looking at to see if someone's emailing me with how busy this week is going to be. But, Bob, I really appreciate it. It's been a blast. Podcast Rookie of the Year, Christian Gravis, Bob Black, our special guest, Tristan Wheeler. Get excited for Richmond and William and Mary this Saturday in Williamsburg with the Capital Cup and a conference championship and playoff implications on the line. Thanks for tuning in each and every week to the Spider Insight Podcast.